This episode of To Be Continued, a fanboy podcast, is brought to you by Amasta Design. Servicing clients domestic and international, Amasta is here to help you through the different phases to transform your space into a reflection of you. Go to amastadesign.com. Amasta, spelled A-M-A-S-T-A, design.com. Our pal, John Padilla, is a true fanboy and unapologetic Batman enthusiast. John is also owner of JP Total Fitness based in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. As a personal trainer, he takes a practical and safe approach toward fitness goals. Throughout his professional years of experience, John has developed relationships with hundreds of clients, helping them achieve and meet their physical challenges. A family man, seasoned entrepreneur, and competitor, John understands the importance of time management, proper nutrition, and the no-nonsensical approach to guiding you through your journey. Go to www.jptotalfitness.com. .net today. Rolling Press, a Brooklyn Park Slope-based business that can help you print books, magazines, zines, and comics for anyone who wants to start their own thing. Rolling Press, an eco-friendly printing company. Go to www.rollingpress.com. Roro Cakes, specialty baking, little bites of yumminess, and indulgences. Follow Roro Cakes at facebook.com slash Roro Cakes and place your order today. Last but not least, Pancake Studios cuffing your audio recordings, production, mixing, and mastering needs. Pancake Studios set at the heart of Brooklyn also happens to be the home of To Be Continued, a fanboy podcast. And when we started the podcast, Jonathan made a home for us here and continues to produce quality. Whether you're a musician, filmmaker, working in media like podcasting, look no further than Pancake Studios. Go to www.pancakestudios.net. To Be Continued is an adult podcast for adults by adults. We may talk about superheroes, sci-fi, comic books, and all sorts of similar crap like that, but we may use adult and frank language when we do so. This is not a podcast for kids, brothers and sisters. Enjoy. And welcome back. This is To Be Continued, a fanboy podcast covering your fanboy passions. You're not going to learn anything, but if you stick around, you just might have some fun. Uh, anyone who's clicked on this episode, this link today, will realize that this is a uh, somewhat uh, somber... And a celebration. And a celebration, as always, Ed, trying to, trying to keep our spirits up. It's a uh, somber reflection on the career and life of one of the most influential and most important figures in the world of superhero comics uh, and the pop culture ascendancy of geek enthusiasms and uh, the comic book superhero ideal. Uh, we lost truly one of the great ones for the world no longer is graced by the presence of one Stanley Martin Lieber, also known as Stan Lee. Excelsior! Excelsior! Uh, Stan passed from this mortal coil on November 12th of uh, this year, 2018. Um, the, man was, the man was 95 years old. Uh, it was an amazing run, an amazing life, ups, downs, uh, a great contributor to pop culture. Uh, the man's the man literally has been has done everything everywhere. 
Everything under um, the sun. Yeah. And with what he's been given, you know, so like upon researching and reading, reading up on his life, the man served in the, uh, uh, during the war. Served in the Signal Corps, um, yeah. And, uh, uh, was a writer, not much, uh, not necessarily the, the, the person who gave you the art of the material that we have today. A, a, a grand promoter, a pop culture figure. Yeah. Even, you know. Steve Jobs of comic books. Yeah, I, well, you're not, I you said, are not at all wrong in multiple levels of that, John. Not I'll, at all. I'll up that. And I said to you yesterday, this is he, the. P.T. Barnum. He is the P.T. Barnum of this media of this medium. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Now, I don't know for you folks out there. First off, I just want to say happy Thanksgiving. But we're we're we've been past that. Yes. Yeah. Well. Well. We'll. So, yeah. But, we're we're, we're going to um, get into well. Because, we're going uh, into this. Um, and Miguel, you and I, we had this conversation. I'm more enthusiastic about this show. Uh, I know you want to keep you want to keep it in like in the pocket of that. We will we it, somberness. We'll, we'll, the light moments will come naturally. I just don't want to do any. Uh, you don't bits. disrespect too many, the man. too many, too many. Because bits. I'm all about yeah, man. Let's uh, let's, as always. Let's, let's as force always. ghost this as always. Force you, ghost Stan Lee. I'm, this, I'm like, the no, Baba Booey to your idea. stern in these situations. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, now uh, now Stan. <laughs> Stan, I know this is not exactly what do you want to hear, Michaela. Stan, now what was it like when you were invited to the Playboy Mansion? <laughs> can you get? Can you? Uh, well, what was it like? Oh, it was uh, women. Whoever it was, the year was 1973. Uh, tell me about the women. <laughs> well, I mean, of course, I, uh, uh, I'm no uh, stranger to the female form. Of course, I mean, you have uh, Susan Storm and. Uh, Gwen Stacy, beautiful, gorgeous blonde. Now, who did you base Susan Storm on? Oh, the Invisible one? Woman. Uh, of course. Uh, but of course, was, the, some was, things weren't... Were, it was, were it was, it was Joan, my wife, of course. <laughs> See, this is what I didn't want to do. Okay, so our show today, again, is going to be a, 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 a somber celebration of Stan's life. But before we get into that, to that um, too deeply, uh, we've been away for a while, so let's catch up with everyone here uh, and what we're doing and some... So there, there are some things that you and I discussed on the phone that we'll, we'll get into. So um, it's November or post Thanksgiving. Ed uh, was away for a while. Uh, surprised the heck out of me. I didn't even know. <laughs> He's like, "Hey, I'm going on a cruise." Nice. Uh, the uh, Royal Caribbean. We took a an eight day cruise to the Bahamas, and uh, this was something that my wife had planned and. He's sure. like, this is like when Carson used to go on safari. <laughs> you know, we just take his yacht and go off the coast of Madagascar for a while. And I mean, we, we launched off the Port Bayonne and uh, we, we, we headed south. <laughs> Classy yeah, Port Bayonne. Hey, New home Jersey. of uh, George R.R. R. Martin. Eh? Mm-hmm. Eh? But anyway, um, uh, can you imagine coming from Bayonne and. Uh, and and being George R. R. Martin, and it's like you know, I needed to leave this place because <laughs> it's, it's uh, Bayonne and 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 create a story called Game of Thrones. Okay, where well, you know. So where, now you're uh, you're you're on this cruise. Yes. Uh, how was it? Like, did you just because I, I honestly you are you're a healthy. You look healthier. Yeah, having so, come back because I was worried. I was going like. He's going to miss the dad bod time. Hold on, hold on. It's basically so, nothing but a floating buffet. That's exactly what it is. You know, um, uh, for you, you know, if 
the cruise is no place for a healthy thin guy and i i'm not thin but i consider myself on the healthy side i like to practice healthy habits but uh yeah you know i mean if if you're into the eating and the buffeting and 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 um that's this stuff is for you <laughs> by the sixth day i wanted to leave i i really literally wanted to get off now we'd encountered some rough waters uh on your return on a return and on i think on the way back uh you could feel this is a 16 deck destination to the bahamas oh you know so uh we went from uh bayonne going south stopped around uh south carolina we didn't touch the touch you were off the coast off the coast and then to orlando we went to uh we went to disney met up uh with um a soon-to-be guest of the show. Um, uh, one right, of my, one of my buddies. Mary Soul down there. Yeah. Right, right. So, um, and then we headed to, we hit two days in Bahama, Bahama, uh, Bahamian Islands over there, Nassau. And um, and I got to send back a, a video of myself, um, a, an Aquaman preview. <laughs> and um, that was re- some really nice snorkeling, some swimming there. Well, but, that and that and when we, when we were uh, messaging each other, Via, via our, our Apple products. Plug, plug. Um, Thank you, sponsor. <laughs> you, God, if only. sponsor. God, if only. Um, was that uh, what you were hoping for, and I quote, <laughs> was that a diehard situation would Yeah, would yeah. Happen. So um, it's the holidays. Every time, they, every, every, every time I head off on some vacation travel or whatever. It's like a need for speed. There, yeah. No, it's always, <clears throat> Miguel, I want every vacation experience that I have to turn into a diehard situation. <laughs> or in this case, under siege, but we don't really talk about it. I was siege. going more for speed too, but that's me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't even remember the name of the uh, the lead guy. Jason, Jason, Patrick. Jason Patrick. It was, yeah. it was, it was they got Bullock back, but they couldn't get they couldn't Keanu get. for whatever reason. So, and what do I mean by a diehard situation where... We just named three movies in a row that everyone knows what the setup is. So Lone like, guy uh, in in X situation faces off against cadre of terrorists. It's like, a, it's like a, you know, um, people having the buffet and next thing you know... <laughs> Everyone to the floor, you know. Uh, we're we're taking we're taking over the boat, you know. And, and those are some very casual terrorists you've got going on there. Everyone, get down if you can. Uh, so up. maybe it's Elliot Gould who's a terrorist. Maybe Elliot Gould is a terrorist. He's up there. He's in this. He's he's uh, he he looks like he's vacationing. He's like, well, no, well, Hello, well by everybody. the way, and that was your whole thing. You said to me. He was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna take on Tommy Lee Jones because you named like the Under yeah. Siege. You were like Tommy Lee Jones and, um, and um, Gary Busey. And, Gary and Busey. I was like, those dudes are in their seventies. <laughs> like, like, yeah, I hope you can take out. <laughs> you, you know, it's like between the arthritis and the hip dysplasia. Yeah, they're pretty easy targets. <laughs> Wait, so, yeah, yeah. let me see if I can find these texts. Oh God, yeah, don't but, go uh, so. Uh, John also uh, took uh, was away in in between our uh, our last podcast. Uh, he I took. Bad. I felt bad for Miguel because he's like, "Hey, when are we getting together?" And then I'm like, "I'm going to Canada," and then he's <laughs> like, "I'm going to Bahamas." So it's just, and then <laughs> I, yeah, I'll I'll tell everyone my story. But yeah, how was how was the, how was the trip up to to the Great White North? It, it was nice. I've never been, so it was great. But you were in a French part. Yeah. Yeah, where they speak French and yeah and yeah. Canadian, eh? I was waiting for everyone to say, what are you talking about? Or A or, yeah. 
Instead, 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 they went parler vos français. You can tell they don't like the English. It's no, like, it's, that's really the. <laughs> yeah, the French and the English have a bit of a history, John. I don't yeah. know if you're aware of this. No, I, I know it, but uh, but you can still feel it. Right, yeah, yeah. You and, and you know, Montreal feels, and it's Montreal, you went to Quebec, right? I went to Quebec, then Montreal. All right. And uh, that's, that, feel, that feels like Europe. Toronto yeah. is a whole different town, but that place feels like Europe. Yeah. And, and I think that's does. what they consider themselves. Yeah, 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 they yeah. are, they, there's a consideration of them as like, no, we are not North Americans. We are Europeans on the North American continent. A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like little France. In, uh, in and there was a, some snow up there. You sent some pictures where there was a, like, uh, when yeah. we were getting, like, I think here was, there was like tons of rain. Oh, you guys, it was yeah, a yeah. snow. Although we did have one. Uh, were you gone by the when we had the uh, we had a weird no snow we had emergency. that weird snow thing and then and then uh, like two and then later, left okay left. yeah right. yeah yeah which was uh, which to me was the so weird because we're in New York we're in the Northeast and I mean John we've been hit by some of the worst blizzards the Northeast has yeah, ever gotten yeah. right so I mean you know like, we operated well even under those conditions even under like when Bloomberg was mayor and we had that whole like like. 25 feet of snow that shot. Okay, here, it was like one day, it yeah, was blizzard conditions. Thanksgiving was at 15 degrees, right? Because right, yeah, but I'm talking about the snowstorm that was even before oh, yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, what happened was, the whole city shut down. There were people on like I-95 going to Westchester. They, it was like, they were, they were press- I have been stuck here for six well, hours. The, the, the press Ten hours in some places. I mean, even in, as far as uh, west as Pennsylvania, where my mom lives, there was people stuck on the highway for 10 hours. And I'm going like, how does it, we're the North, we're not South Carolina. My this wa- isn't Georgia was- where they have a flurry and they forget how to drive. I'm was, so ashamed wife, of us. My wife was yeah. stuck in Atlanta that day we got the big snow. Hmm? And uh, and everyone's like, you know, my my, my mom's like, uh, so is your wife back? I'm like, no, mom, she's still in Atlanta. They're delayed by um, um, two yeah. hours. And I'm getting one text like, so uh, um, okay, so now they tell us that uh, you know we're we're our plane's about to leave in uh, in an hour, another hour, <laughs> another hour. Another hour. And I'm pretty sure that was on, on the New York end. That probably was like... And then yeah. I think de Blasio was dealing with like press press issues and... Well, again, it was because there were like... Suddenly it was like all of these issues happened in the state and around the city. And like I said, it was even bad in PA where my mom lives. And they know they know even worse winter. But funny story, Mark. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I, saw, uh, Paul, <laughs> I saw Paul Simon uh, play his last show. At City Field, really, and De Blasio introduces him, and the crowd boos like crazy. <laughs> yeah, he's having a weird. He's, he's having a weird. He's having a weird time right now. But the, of course, the problem is that there's no legitimate Republican, you know, or even independent like, yeah. you know, thing. But that's not political. That's political whatever. talk. Back, We're not. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. that. So no, Thanksgiving. So hit. back to Quebec. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I went up there thinking it's going to be really cold, much colder than New York City. So I brought the warmest stuff with me. It actually wasn't that cold when I went up there, but it was colder when I got back to New York City. Yeah, Messed Thanksgiving up. hit Messed now. Up. Thanksgiving, uh, correct me if I'm not wrong. It, it hit like 15 degrees. It was horrible. It was uh, w- the wind chill was just ridiculous. I came back and it was like 50 degrees. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we've been in we've been in we've been in the 50s and the 40s for like the past three days. 
Yeah. Craziness. Absolutely craziness. We went from 15 to 15. Okay, so now... Climate change is all fake all right. news. Now, Miguel's story. Yes. <laughs> Miguel's story is that uh, uh, I, I, I'm at home, and uh, it was on one... Uh, I think it was like Monday night, and uh, yeah, there's just water everywhere. Oh, and oh. uh, the water heater decided it was going to crap out on us. And so there's just water constantly, constantly leaking, even shutting off the main going into it. Still water's leaking out of this thing. So we couldn't get a replacement for a few days. And it was just like constantly trying to clean up this water. Like I said, even though we shut off the water going into the tank, it's still leaking out of it. And at for a few days, we couldn't like empty it. You know, there's an, a, there's a, there's a way to empty yeah, the right, tank, right. and we couldn't like unscrew the piece that was going. I was like, ah, it's going so just constantly like wet, dry vac, you know, towels, blankets, you know, the soak. Just horrible, 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 horrible. So that means you had no heat. Uh, uh, no, the furnace was still working. Just we didn't have any hot water. Hot water. Well, and of course, look, look, during the coldest, the day that I left, because <laughs> this guy asked me, listen, uh, I'm there might be a situation where I might have to come in and use your shower. All right. So the day that I left, I shoot you a video, and I'm like, okay, Miguel, here is where the secret key to my place is, <laughs> okay? And uh, so, like, uh, just, and, and I, I'm, here I am, I'm thinking, you know, come over to my place, go meet my manservant Higgins, you know. <laughs> and I had to remind you, I said, you don't have a Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> Why must he kick a man? Why he's, kick down? Him, he's down. So, um, so yeah. Even we were still in kind. Finally, you came back, and uh, we we got to talk on the phone. And uh, to end out the patter portion of the show here, um, we we did talk some things, and we were like, well, we're, are we going to you know, like really talk about any of the news? <laughs> and I don't really want to do that because, like I said, the meat of the show is going to be talking about um, Stan and his life. Um, but we. There were just some things that we did talk about that I just want to yeah, share yeah. with the audience. So, uh, was there any news out there? And yeah, you were like, uh... for whatever reason, <laughs> we got on to the subject of Tron. Uh, I don't even remember how we got onto it, and we were start talking about it, and then eventually because it was Disney. like, it was like, oh, oh yeah, we're talking Disney. about oh, Disney yeah. and Disney movies, and it was like, yeah, and then Tron came up, and suddenly it was like, listen, all right, uh, I know that there are guys our age who just adore Tron. I've never been. I've never been on the Tron channel. Have you seen Tron, John? N neither. Neither the old one or the or, or the new one. And I don't think you're missing much. It's no, you're you're talking it down. You really are like underselling it. I because I think it, I think that that's what most people come away from that movie. I think it is the sort of like oh, it's going to be you, so awesome. You think about and you watch it, it and it goes oh, that wasn't the really people anything. who walked away from the from that movie were like were kids. Yeah. yeah. You know, and what I do know about it is it was a big deal back in the day. It was a like visually, it is a is a really. It's big a deal. beautiful, interesting, but method yes. of doing that movie, and of course the early use of CG. Yeah. You know, doing the computer graphic what year stuff. Eighty two. Uh, I want to. Yeah, say. I want to say it's like eighty two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But but yeah. but but yes, yes, Miguel. Like you go. It's Tron. not a great it's, movie. Uh, I don't uh, find it all that interesting. Wait a minute. Hold on. Uh, but the dude. <laughs> Right. No, my point was this. <laughs> my point was this is like it's called Tron. It's called Tron. Bruce Boxleitner is Tron. Tron. And you think, oh, this is the main character of the movie. But he's not. <laughs> the movie should not be what, called 
We'll, we'll, Tron. Give, we'll give you a 20 second synopsis. <laughs> it this, should be. It there's, should a, be. there's a bad program. There's, there's a, a master. Basically, there are master um, uh, master programmers and there are pro and there's the program. Right. So there's this corporation out there that has this evil program, the evil program. It's the Matrix, really. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, so what is this bad programming thing? What does it do? And I'm telling Miguel. What, like, it, what like, was yeah? What was with, the whole point? Mess up with HR benefits. I was like, like it's, it's like these, these actuaries are totally out of <laughs> line here. I don't know what's going on. So the evil program. So here like, is Flynn, all right, who's played by, by the great Jeff Bridges, right. who's who's sort of the guy that is the he, guru of you know the science so this of this program. He was a co, uh, a co a co programmer from from the get go, but was ousted out of this uh, this company. Right. And now he does like games and things. And one of the things is, is that the the evil program and the corporation have a way of like digitizing people, taking them from the real world and putting them in the right. computer world. Kind of trapping them inside. Yeah. So and he so, sneaks into this facility, and of course he gets what, zapped in. Right. And zapped now, in, basically digitizes. And, and now notice, <laughs> no, 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 notice, John. At no point here in talking about this have we mentioned a character named Tron yet. <laughs> Movie is called Tron. No. It should be called Flynn. So Tron is he's who, the main character. Tron is the, uh, the 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 Luke Skywalker of this universe. Not, but but he's, he's not. He's a savior, but he's not. <laughs> the idea is that like there are like good programs that still want to serve the users, the human people. There's a revolution and then there's like going a, on. There's like the evil uh, pro uh, programs are like no, we're taking and we're taking out all the bad. And apparently Tron is a character who's fighting against them. So he's like this. He's a hero, but the like I said, but the truth is, the majority of the film is Flynn is about Flynn is about Jeff Bridges' character, <laughs> and like Tron does stuff. But I honestly said, I said, you know what? Tron does he stuff. does stuff in he the movie, but he's like only like Bruce. And the other part is this: is that the character when when Jeff Bridges goes inside the computer, the other other characters he meets. They're mirrored versions of people he really knows. Yeah, the avatars. They're not the same character, but they they're played by the same actor. You, you know see, what I mean? This is done in so Bruce Boxleitner so how... is like is like Flynn's friend on the outside, and oh, oh, Tron is his friend on the inside. But that's the thing is that Tron as a character, forgetting that Boxleitner is in the quote unquote real world portions, he's in maybe like thirty percent of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, and the rest is just like yeah. So, so they so there's a revolution that happens, and the whole idea is we got to get Tron to the master master controller, right? Because he's the antivirus for this evil program, he's and the therefore, agent. you know, if you're a guy working at at uh, um in 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 accounting, your benefits are going to be like solid, apparently you know? like like what is with John? It's not even like very clear to me. And again, I haven't seen. I could be way off, but it's not even like. The master controller, which is I think is the evil, the main, like the big villain, like um, he's gonna launch all the nuclear weapons. It's not something like that. It's very like, what are they gonna do exactly <laughs> at this point? It's pre-internet age, so you can't even be like, and oh, you, they're gonna mess with so many things that are important in the world. It's like we're talking about a time when everything was like tape reel to reel. Now that said, because it was done in the eighties, and I said to you yesterday, like you, you, you compare that to uh, another computer type of movie, War Games, which is starring Matthew Broderick. War Games, which is a Cold War. 
what if they what if this computer program was able to launch missiles? Right. Yeah. So right. again, that it's already more compelling. Even though it's not as action based, it doesn't have big special effects. On every single level, I will I will go to the bat for war games over Tron any day of the week. But I mean, again, you know. because it was done around the early eighties, you watch it and we will show you parts of it. You're gonna go, Wow, this is amazing. And Disney had the 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 technology it was visually it's i really i kind of feel about i feel about it in the same way i feel about the the sequel where it's like wow this is you can't compare that because one was done in the again but my point my point is is that they're the same in the sense that yes for their times gorgeous production values i mean they there are some amazing sequences in the tron sequel the soundtrack is amazing Mm -hmm. by daft punk okay um I mean the anti-aging stuff they do on, on. Oh yeah, the sequel is Jeff Bridges. Uh, where did uh, he's got a son, but Dad disappeared. Where did he go? He's tra- he's trapped in that world he's again. Trapped yada, in that yada, Tron yada. world, yeah, and yeah, the yeah. son has to. Uh, so yeah, so that was one of the things we because it's it's again once more. If they make a third one, please call it Flynn. <laughs> call it Flynn, and the audience will be satisfied. Bo- again, Boxlight Boxliner has maybe what ten minutes cameo. In the, in the sequel yeah so, yeah well, don't call it Tron just call it Tron call it Flynn there's no <laughs> there's no reason to call it Tron uh, the second thing was the fact that uh, semi in the news but it's really more because I want to get Ed's research on this was that uh, John do you, you know uh, your pal Al Alex you know uh, we never got around to seeing Venom right he wants he, he wants to fight you but uh, I no no but you know he look super, Superman show he but uh John, um, I don't know if you paid attention, but this movie, disdained by all the fans, you know, online, not embraced by the critics, this movie that it seemed nobody wanted, it's made over $800 million worldwide, has surpassed the first Spider-Man's box office. And seems to be on track to surpass Spider-Man 2's box office, ensuring there will be a Venom sequel and ensuring probably Sony's Spider-Verse thing. And I'm just going like, I I kind of feel conflicted because part of me goes, I hate this character anyway. I'm not, I'm, I'm on record as saying I think Venom is dumb. I don't <laughs> like anything about the character. But... I do kind of enjoy the schadenfreude of all of these online fans who were just so sure that it wasn't going to be a hit, so sure, and like, it was expected, oh, the reviews came out, oh, the reviews are horrible, everyone's going to, and it's like, over $800 million, baby. (laughs) Should we we phone a friend? No, we're not going to phone a friend, we're not going to phone Al. No, but but he's making a friend do something. Yes, so I was, I said, you know, you know, getting racist for a moment, I said, uh... (laughs) The God. reason it's made a big part of it God making its money. Chinese. The, God the Chinese PRC. audience is eating it up. They don't, you know, it's like going like, okay. So I said, you know what, Ed, what we really need here from you at this point in time is uh, we need a Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park. Now, how do you say? Wait, how do you wait, say, hold on, wait, wait, what do you mean Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park? Uh, because we, we did a bit. Uh, on a previous show. Oh, that's show right, that's right. That's where right, we that's said, right. you know, again, we, oh, we're no, talking okay, about. Okay, just for you. How how does the Chinese audience react just for to you. seeing if I were Jurassic to do, World? If I were to do a uh, and I again I speak Cantonese, right? I don't speak the 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 real mother mother tongue, which is Mandarin, and I'm not gonna even even uh, attempt it. 
So uh, so let's let's say if I did like a we're quick, going to see a quick teaser. We're going to see Jurassic World. No, this is going to be Fallen a, Kingdom, a, a, right? A quick teaser of what Venom. Uh, if you were, let's say, in I don't know, uh, uh, southern China. All right, so it's like Yiling Yatpa, Juju Hap, Kotek Yan, Dok Yer. That means venom, by the way. Okay, so <laughs> what did you just say? I said 2018 Spider-Man's uh, uh, Spider-Man's villain. I give you venom. All right, now what is Dok Yer? Dok Yer. Dok Deep Yer. The which actual. Means like translation of that venom. would be real. Oh, venom! It's venom, like it yeah. means like it's from so, a cobra or 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 like that right, something right. that some right. again a secretion from now, an animal. Now, I was that's toxic. I was I was hoping you guys I would you you of all people because somehow I it, it just tickles you every time I I speak the mother tongue. I don't I don't <laughs> understand that you know. And, again, I just I just uh, uh, like you got to give me the say say starring Tom Hardy. Now now let's say, say just say. With Tom Hardy, like, like, they're gonna be. Uh, geez, how do you say, uh, 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 um... that'd be cool if they had Tom Hardy from uh, Pinky Blinders as Venom. As, wait, uh, what, 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 oh, I, oh, uh, um, uh, Doc York, Peen Fok Hop, Got Dick Yan. I said, Batman's villain, Tom Hardy. <laughs> 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 So from, yeah, from, I had I had Batman, to see. From, I was hoping that it would be some sort of weird translation. I don't know why I sound like a, a Chinese Stanley all of a sudden. It's yeah, like, no, that's know. fine. That's fine. But see, I but I, what I was hoping was I was gonna be something like because uh, remember when you said that the, the word for dinosaur and it was like you were like something. Oh dragon? yeah, you want the the uh, the 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 home alone, uh, home alone, <laughs> you know which. <laughs> Always tickles me. You know what? One of these days, if you lobbied enough, I'll do the whole entire show in Cantonese. Hey, we can uh, expect this venom suit has made me more powerful. It <laughs> <laughs> somehow has not changed my voice. <laughs> For good photography. I, that's all I got. That's all I got. <laughs> okay, that's all I got. So yeah. So that was our. That's a report of where we've done, where, where we've been, what we've done since the break, and a little patter. So now let's let's. I just don't understand. Uh, sorry, sorry, Alex. Are if you you're um? Listening. Are you gonna? <laughs> sorry, Alex, if you're listening. I I just I just don't understand how they send Spider-Man to space <laughs> and he doesn't get the suit. See, see, <laughs> honestly, Al has the exact same attitude as other friend of the show Matt Zulkowski has. It's the same thing. I don't even think Matt's a big Venom guy, but even he's like, how could they send him to space? And he's not going to. It's like, it's not. Well, you, I don't. You, can't help you know, you gonna I'm trying. So, okay. The Chinese, they're big on <laughs> Monkey King movies, Jackie Chan movies. And I movies. could see like, I could see Venom somewhat falling into that. How? Big, big stunts. Okay, I mean, so, you saw the things oh, that yeah, he was if doing. If you're into Transformers and G.I. Yeah, Joe, I, it's, I think it's a kind of a combination. Right. It has... The big special effects stuff, like a Transformers film, but also has the jumping and trying, you know, and fighting and all. And you know, yeah, you I know, can... Miguel. I remember when I first did Project A, and I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> "That's not bad, dude." I think to myself, uh, "What if Jackie Chan were to fight this Venom? I mean, and would it go? Uh, sorry, 
See, no, that's the whole thing. It's like, so I go in Okay, then I'm on floor. And then then I would end up with like all glasses all the floor and everything. You know, what that I think that's pretty good. That's pretty good. pretty good. I was going to, you need to fire is not good for him. So I think Jackie would like. That's why you people, my people in China. That's why you guys enjoy this. The, uh, I'm pretty enjoy, sure enjoy the the, 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 yeah, the Michael yeah, so. Bay, uh, the Michael Bay. So okay, so <laughs> so so moving on from 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 that um, to the meat of our show today. Cassie and Andor. No, we're not I talking think, about Cassie and Andor. I think it, I, it'd be a great story, but it'd I, be for the. George Lucas, he said he do the, the he he direct the the Mandalorian. I talked to, I talked to Jets. Like, he said have very good like, time. George, I think it. Uh, <laughs> good idea that you know if i maybe i guess shot on the movie and then okay all right all right all right enough enough patter um i belong a fantastic beast three i have a good idea okay <laughs> jesus christ okay <laughs> jesus christ i i specifically said that'd be a great movie if i were to fight against jesus christ <laughs> <laughs> I have a glass. Oh, this I have great. a glass that's bottle in my hand right now. You throw that bottle. Throw, throw a bottle at me right now. It come at you. Okay, and make what, sure you get the angle okay, shot. Okay, and then what do you do when the glass bottle comes at you? The comes at me. Okay. All right. We're are we're we done? done? We're done. We're done. We're done. We got it out of our system. It's out. Good. All right. The giggles are gone. Ah. <laughs> uh, all right. So heading to somber territory. Excelsior! Excelsior! Uh, we're here today to, to uh, celebrate and talk about the life of Stanley. As we mentioned at the top of the show, um, Stan had ascended to this very elite level of pop culture awareness in the last twenty years or so. Um, but he had been a person who had been in and out of the spotlight for decades before that. Mm. Um, we can we can attest to this because growing up in the '80s and then the '90s, we we knew who Stan was, right, right. But yet he wasn't the uh, again. We didn't have the Marvel movies um, that, yeah. that you have now today. But he was a known quantity. A if you knew this, uh, let me ask. Let me ask John a question. When did you kind of first become aware? Was it more recent or when you were younger, as a teen, were you kind of aware of who this person Stanley was? Oh, uh, always. Okay, always. always. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whenever you open up, uh, open up. Right, right. Okay, because you read, you read Spidey, and you were a Spidey fan. Here yeah. And, there, yeah. and uh, yeah, he's synonymous with Marvel. Right. Like anyone who knows the Marvel name knows Stanley. Anyone who knows Stanley knows the Marvel name. Right. Yeah. He, you're absolutely right. He was, he was the living, breathing mascot of that yeah. company and its brand. Yeah. For you know. He's from a the sixty, yeah, yeah. Well, the brand itself, like I, I mean, um, so I read. Oh, hold on, wait, wait, no, I was... okay. So, uh, Ed, you, when did you first kind of become aware of this guy, Stanley, and his Stan place? Soapbox. Sam Soapbox, Stan okay. Stan Soapbox, as a comic Which, book reader. By the way, I mean, <clears throat> Stan Soapbox was the 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 tail end editorial that was on a lot of the comic books, uh, Marvel comics, and um, it was Stan who would. Pers- and again, as a kid, you go, was this really Stan writing these things? And because if you were to read him, it would be in his own voice. 
It had um, his cadences yeah. and his, yeah. Yeah, it's like, hello, true believers. You know, here I am. Uh, David says, asks a question, you know, how did you come up with the idea of the web shooters? You know, like stuff like that. But the voice that I'm doing, we, I, I, I you know, we, you and I, we didn't pick that up until you heard him on the Spider-Man cartoon specials. Yeah. Um, the Saturday morning cartoons. Spider-Man and his Spider amazing Man friends, and his, especially. And yeah, amazing probably friends the with the Incredible Hulk. And the Incredible Hulk has a... Like, Little yeah. does he know. And you're like, who's <laughs> that's, this guy? We're that's... Always, it's, that's our go-to for his little does he know. Because there's always something when they would do a guest shot. Yeah. On the Amazing Spider-Man cartoon, it would be like, oh, here's Tony Stark. But most of the time, Spidey and Firestar <laughs> and Iceman... There's always indeed a, did a, not know that they were a like stand like, narration. You, know, you like, only heard like, his voice. Like you then, know, Spider Man. Spider Man goes. There was an episode. Spider Man goes on trial, and he needs a lawyer. Yeah. And who plays his lawyer? Little does he know it's that like, Matt, Matt Murdock, Murdock is, is secretly the, the vigilante daredevil. Daredevil, right? You know, <laughs> and uh, and you go, what the? Why is this man the way he is? <laughs> you know, because he's P.T. Barnum. Right, he's you, Barnum you know, that's for the, the thing. And Stan Soapbox was a big part of that sort of strategy of his, mm -hmm. of being, having a relationship with the reader and flogging the product at the same time. This, this, he was very good at having the brand awareness be melded with the relationship with the fan. Mm -hmm. And, and, now, and, and this, a promoter though. par excellence. Stanley um, was is not known for um, for immense wealth, per se. Not not the wealth that he has now, or for he, the amount that he had when he died. He when he died, he, he had about doing, fifty million dollars. Right? He was he was doing okay, even. But he was he went from uh, intern to editor in chief. To publisher, uh, to yeah. publisher. Yeah. and then back to creative because he said he didn't he he was more interested in the creative process. Speaking of which, uh, let's name let's drop some of the, uh, uh, the, the 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 titles and the properties that uh, that that he. Created. Well, I mean, everyone's going to know them, but you know, I mean, very simply, I mean, in a short period of time, uh, what is it? Less than a a little over a decade, he produced. You know, the Fantastic Four and Iron Man the and Hulk. Thor, Hulk, Black Panther, X-Men, Daredevil, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, Spider-Man, uh, put the Avengers together. He brought back Captain America, Silver Surfer, the Silver Surfer and Galactus. I mean, that period was just this incredibly rich and and very fertile period for Marvel Comics, uh, which he didn't found. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everyone kind of like, oh, it's like, no, this was an evolution. He started out as an employee mm -hmm. of this organization and rose to the heights that he <laughs> uh, that he did. And he was looking for a job at the, uh, was around the, the 30s. Um, and uh, he worked for Timely Comics, which uh, a well, cousin it, of his was, was married his, his to His cousin the, was married to yeah. uh, the, uh, the, the publisher um, who was, uh, I don't want to get the names wrong here, so I'm just trying to. I'm trying to make sure that I I, I get um, Martin Goodman. Martin Goodman was the uh, was the the owner publisher of Timely Comics, which eventually morphs into right, right. evolves they, into Marvel. Marvel Comics. They had they had come in after the boom of National Comics, which became DC, mm. and you know they produced uh, things like uh, their first Marvel Comics, which was what it was called. 
uh, which had uh, the original Human Torch in its you know initial mm-hmm. uh, appearances, and then uh, Namor. Uh, characters like Namor and things like that. There are a bunch of character names <laughs> and concepts that were done in that time. That Stan then went back. He was the first rebooter. Yes, you know he was yes, an yes, early. Yes, uh, not maybe yeah. not the first. No, that's that's true. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll amend that. But he's one of the earliest rebooters, mm-hmm. uh, and he started at the company doing almost like scut work. Yeah. And of course, it's the it's the depression. And, you know, he's doing anything that he can. I mean, he he had lived this with his parents. Mi- Manhattan. His, and... his, his, he had lived with his mother and his father, who were both Romanian Jews. Mm-hmm. Born, uh, born in 1922. And he had a younger brother. And, you know, him and the brother are living in the same room mm-hmm. uh, well into their teens. Uh, mother and father are sleeping on a couch. That you know, Which, by the couch. way, if you have a chance, folks, um, pick up um, Michael Chabon's ca- uh, The Adventures of Cavalier and Clay, which kind of mirrors what that time was. You know, uh, Jewish kids writing who decide to write comic books. You know that, and uh, they they me- and he does mention Stan in the book, by the way. But that's what the what the feel of it is. But uh, yeah, we're talking about it, it's depression era, and you know he's just looking for something to do, anything to put you know food mm-hmm. on the table, mm-hmm. and he his probably his his big break was uh, one of his first and I think his first writing assignment, not just doing stuff like you know cleaning up penciling for people or filling inkwells or whatnot was he does a prose story in what was then Timely's like biggest selling title, which was Captain America. And this is before the war. Mm-hmm. And uh, back then it was not uncommon for comic books to have a page or two of prose, not just like, it wasn't just like 32 pages straight of illustrations, whatever. It was kind of like, just uh, let's th- throw in something you know, that, you know, a short story or whatever, oftentimes featuring the same whoever the character was on the cover. In this case, it was uh, Captain America. It was a story called Captain America and the Traitor's Revenge. It's already, already, that <laughs> screams Stan Lee. That title is so Stan Lee, it's not funny. Uh, and so he, you know, he was working around there and then the war hits. And, and he essentially gets, he gets he, drafted. He gets drafted. And, you know, um, it's a very interesting thing that, you know, because he he's in he's in the battalion that basically fixes things. Right. So he's fixing telephones, telephone poles, anything, any any piece of equipment that was that's what battalion that he was at. But he also um, uh, he transfers to the uh, to the um, uh, boy. What is it? Um, well, uh, I'll let me let me read. Let me read it out completely. OK, yeah. so. This was a quote from Stan talking about it. And so he says, uh, I was supposed to go overseas with the Signal Corps. I was practically waiting at the pier for the ship to take me overseas when I got a tap on the shoulder and some colonel said, you worked in comics. He answered, yes. He says, well, we have a job for you. And instead, he sent me to Astoria, Queens, where they had the Army's training film division. Next thing I knew, I was writing training films and I'm sitting next to... What would a lot of people who would go on to greater careers? So uh, the 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 playwright William uh, uh, Soroyan, Theodore Geisel, who became mm-hmm. known as Doctor yeah, yeah, Seuss, yeah. Uh, uh, Ivan Goff, and Ben Roberts, who went Frank, on to become uh, screenplay writers for Frank Capra. Uh, yeah, Frank Capra, and he's working in essentially the manuals and propaganda mm-hmm. division of the United States government via the army, 
And uh, that's what he does uh, for the war until he gets to come back uh, to Marvel Comics. And by the way, he was still doing stuff for Timely Comics. Or I think, uh, yeah, he was still doing stuff for, it was still Timely then. Where they would send him things to proofread or to correct via the mail. <clears throat> and he almost got a court-martial. There's that great story where he almost gets court-martialed because... So he sends uh, um, Timely uh, a story, um, but the mail clerk messed up, didn't send it. So what does he decide to do? Uh, young Stan takes, takes a screwdriver and tries to pry open the lock so that it gets sent. Um, and because the, the, the captain... That he was, gets caught. He gets caught. And it's almost like, oh my God, you're going to... You, you know, something terrible is going to happen right. to Stan legally. The colonel, like, and a colonel out. comes in and says, I think from the finance, it's knew something about yeah, him yeah. and said, because this is something we, again, we have to remember that Stan takes the name later on, Stan mm-hmm. Lee. Um, not even later, it was before. Again, he was, when he was working at Timely and he puts that prose story into Captain America. And he's like, I don't want to use my real name. Because, he had aspirations mm-hmm. of being a real novelist. Yeah. And because comic books, I mean, and that this and is the they big were part kind of, of looked and the comic books he thought oh, were magazine. It's looked down upon, but they were also so popular. Captain America, when created by uh, Joe Simon and Jack Kirby, um, had such an impact on the country at the time because it was before America entered the war. Captain America is not a 1941 character; nope. he's a 1940 character. We had not entered the war. And Kirby and Simon are two Jewish kids and they know what's happening mm-hmm. over in Europe and they create this character. And there was a lot of sympathy towards the Nazis in the United States at the time. A lot of them in New York City. Believe it or not, I mean, you know, you can look up pictures. There were pro-Nazi rallies held in Madison Square Garden where the rafters are filled mm-hmm. with American Nazi sympathizers. Yeah, Ford was a supporter. Too. There, you, there you go, Lindbergh. You know, there was this, there was this part of the country that has, you know, that Hitler's all right by me. And so the Captain America book comes out. And of course, the big thing about the first cover of Captain America is what Ed? Oh, where where he knocks out Captain uh, America is knocks out is Hitler. punching Hitler right in the socking him right in the jaw. Now it is a different time. We could not see us today. <laughs> Doing that, if we went to war with another country, us producing a comic book, Stan has mentioned, he says, I don't think that would fly today. And, uh, but this upset a lot of people. And they were worried about upsetting both Germany as a foreign power, but also American Nazi sympathizers. And Timely was receiving threats and everything else. And they were kind of worried, like, are are we going to get shut down? Are we going to get, you know, is this character going to go away? And the mayor of New York... Fiorella LaGuardia, LaGuardia sets up police protection for Timely and for nice. Simon and Kirby nice. and says, you guys, because Fiorella LaGuardia had a thing where he would read comic books as part of a, uh, like, like just the way that Theodore Roosevelt had the fireside chats. Mm, no. LaGuardia had a radio broadcast that he would do and he would read the funnies. It was the depression. He was trying to cheer people up and also as part of his... I think his personality and shtick as, yeah, you know, yeah. ah, I'm this, you know, right, you know, right. he's part of a long line of those uh, New York City mayors that always have outsized personalities. So he would read the comics. He was familiar with them. He knew how popular comics and comic books were. So he was like, no, no, no. What you guys are doing is important work. Mm-hmm. Now, well, you could say there may be some cynicism because, again, as the mayor of New York City, 
he had a large Jewish population to yeah, you know to yeah. not right not His constituents right uh, constitu- but I think it was also sincere I think there was also this sort of like no 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 you know this is important in the fight against uh global fascism what you guys are doing so you know it's like oh hey here so Stan it's a weird thing he had that chagrin of oh I'm in the comic book industry mm-hmm. but at the same time you could look at that that he must have been known as someone who had a connection. How did that colonel come up to him and say, oh, you used to do comics. We're not going to send you to be, <laughs> we're not sending you overseas to fight. Stay here. Your talents are, are best suited here. And, uh, you know, one of the things about him in the army is he says him, uh, Ted Geisel and a few other people, what their MOS in the army was, you know, what it was, I mean, their military specialty. Playwright. <laughs> he is one of nine people in the history nine. of the United States Army. See, the, here's the thing: who though. is who was got, given the title playwright? Even, even I read, even I read what you read, and I'm like, uh, a lot of these are told from Stanley. A lot of the stories that we hear are they told from Stanley's? Uh, um, you know, uh, they come out of the mouth of, of Stanley. I mean, I mean, that, and that's the thing. It's like, no, don't get me wrong. These are fabulous stories, but when it's like, yeah, there were only nine guys, but see, who the were thi- named playwright. See, but the know? truth and- is, but that's true because we know who these people <laughs> were that he worked with. You know what I mean? Ted Geisel alone, Doctor Seuss is working. So, um, he comes back from the war. Uh, comic books had changed the circulation of uh, a lot of superhero characters started going down. Timely transmogrifies into. Atlas comics mm, where they're doing stories of romance yeah. westerns horror things yeah you know because the, ta- the, the the taste had changed and also it was a simple fact that you know people a lot of those guys who got recruited uh, recruit i'm sorry drafted for you know the war effort you know they were 18 19 21 they were young guys and people sent them th- you know or were available through the px comic books we're talking about millions of young men all over the world, and suddenly, you know, these comics, which were already, you know, from Superman's time in 38, had become hits and had, you know, millions in circulation. Now, even more untold millions, because they're sending them all over the place, right? After the war, these guys are getting older. Um, when does Wortham do his thing? Frederick Wortham, the... That's uh, the 1950s. That's the 50s. Oh, that's a, so that's later on. That's a little, it's connected to this because that's part of the change. Once the superheroes kind of go out of favor and there's start leaning on romance mm. and, and and these horror sci-fi type stories, th- that was what, you know, raised people's hackles. You know, this is, well, oh, there's all this lurid yeah, yeah, sex yeah, yeah, yeah. and, you know, you know, even something as, you know, it's like, oh, what do you, what, you know, these romance comics, what is this doing? But know? we hear all the time, like, you, you, uh, Stanley is told countless of times where it's like he was, he was about to leave the industry. Well, again, what what's going on is that you had the Western sci-fi horror romance period for comics. DC even was not producing a lot of books and at some point you know they their long-running justice society that's gone flash is gone green lantern's gone the only characters that are can in continual circulation at this point is i believe superman batman and wonder woman it's why they're the holy trinity for dc julius schwartz who's the great maven of dc comics over the silver age period is the one who brings back reimagines this is why this is why i'm saying that stan was the earliest rebooter the real rebooter is julius schwartz right 
And Julius Schwartz, you know, oh, he brings in a new Flash, he brings in a new Green Lantern, he introduces all the Silver Age concept for Superman and Batman and all the rest. And what really... Those things were already making waves, the new Green Lantern and new Flash and stuff. But what really sets the world on fire is the publishing of the Justice League of America, mm-hmm. which was just a retread of their Justice Society concept, you yeah. know, the team of superheroes. But it's doing gangbuster sales. And the apocryphal tale is, probably unlikely to be true at all, is it said, oh, uh, uh, Martin Goodman was having a golf game with the publisher of DC Comics. Now, there's no proof of this ever happening at all. However, I do think that the essential truth of it is is that Martin Goodman and the people at, you know, Marvel basically said, wait a minute, they're doing gangbusters with superheroes again. We can do that again. And the task of sort of doing the new Marvel superheroes falls to Stan. And so it's like, uh, you know, come up with something. And he's teamed with uh, Jack Kirby, um, who had worked previously for DC Comics um, during that sci-fi Western period, because, you know, there's a lot of these funky concepts that come out during that period, uh, you know, and... Wait, but this is... Now you say apocryphal, but isn't this where his wife convinces him? Well, again, you know, I'm going to get that. So Jack had created a, a group for DC, which was called uh, The Challengers of the Unknown. Okay. And a lot of people look at that setup... The Fantastic Four. ...as a sort of proto-Fantastic Four without the powers. Um, so there's no doubt that when you look at that, you can, you can look and see some, fast, some Fantastic mm-hmm. Four similarities. Stan gets tasked to to revitalize superheroes at Marvel, and he's kind of ready to, he's, again, he always had this sort of, like, embarrassment <coughs> about being a comic book, you know, a person in the field of comic books. And also, he's just, like, it's just so mundane, the stuff where, the stuff that is done. You know, as much as revolutionary as Julie Schwartz, Flash, and Green Lantern, and Justice League were... They didn't push the envelope as much as what Marvel would do later through Stan and Jack, right? So they're still very much, you know, the DC hands on their hips, you know, good good job, Green yeah, Lantern, yeah. good job, Flash, you know. Yeah, they're, you know. they're, they're mythical um, and they're gods. They're, and they're, perf- they're perfect. Yeah. They don't have any issues. They don't have any deep flaws or characterizations or issues. But here you have the first comic book family. Right. And uh, the guy in orange rocks, he's got issues. There's a girl, a beautiful girl, but you can't see her. Yeah. Well, again, (laughs) that was the thing. The idea that, uh, you know, Stan goes to his wife, Joan, Mm -hmm. and basically, you know, says they want me to do this, but I just can't do it the way it's been done. But I don't think they'll let me. And she basically says, well, do it. Just do it. Do it how you want to do it. If you're planning to quit anyway, what's the worst that can happen? Mm -hmm. They fire you. Well, you want to you you want to leave anyway. Right. And we get the Fantastic Four, which I've said before and I'll say again, is is the equal in its genre, in its field, of what the, what the Fab Four, what the Beatles were to music. That revolutionary, uh, there's before the Fantastic Four in comic books and there's after. In the same way that there's before the Beatles come to, you know, make their breakthrough and after and everything that flowed from there. And... You know, here's where we get into some areas about some stuff, because um, okay. 
I don't want to be down on Stan. I don't want this to come off as negative. But I think I find I found ironic the past few years, especially as Stan has become a household, you know, familiar presence to people through those cameos and interviews that he's been done. That. This is the. Uh, this well, is no, 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 where. <laughs> is that he's uh, the, the sort of thing where he's known as a guy who created flawed heroes. He created heroes mm-hmm. who had human frailties and qualities, but now there's been this sort of whitewashing to a degree of Stan and the history of Marvel Comics, and everyone just embraces him sort of uncritically, and. And that's because a lot of people who today are called, I'm a, I'm a fan of Marvel Comics. And I know this is going to sound really old. I, I'm sorry, John, this is going to sound really old man-ish and, and, and just whiny fanboyish. But they're fans of Marvel as this giant brand as it's become now. But they don't really know Marvel Comics and Marvel Comics history. So they're not aware of certain controversies. Just 2000 up to now. Yeah, so like 2008 much. to now. Right, exactly. So, you know... <sighs> Stan had this methodology of producing these comic books, which had been done before, but because he was so successful, oh, at you it, mean the Mar- was the, called the, the, the Marvel, Marvel method, method, right? Which is a huge part of the issue here. So, as we said, Jack Kirby had been kicking around comics in the same time which, as Stan. By the way, for the audience, the Marvel method is this: like he, uh, uh, Stan, being the writer, would write uh, a general guideline, submit that to the artist. The artist would 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 provide a uh, some general uh, very rough sketches and then that in in return goes back to Stan who for then he fills out the bubbles right right and then that gets refined back to the artist and then therefore you have the final product right so in essentially this is not Stan producing a script with explicit instructions to mm. an artist who then does what the script says um, you know, this isn't just Stan as a director and writer. It's a co-creation. Mm. And with the artist, and let's be honest here, this is a visual medium. You cannot understate how important the artist's input to comic books is. The flow of the story, the vibe, the feel of it, all of that comes through through the art. Um, no matter how good the script is. And so guys like Kirby, Kirby, Ditko, Ditko, you know, uh, Ramita, I mean, you know, just, uh, you know, all these guys that he, he co-created stuff with, um, were part and parcel of the storytelling process. It wasn't just, oh, we're the, we're the four higher artists and we do what Stan says. Mm -hmm. And some concepts came kind of whole cloth from some of the artists. So... As revolutionary as the Fantastic Four are and everything else that happens, there's this sort of popular conception. And now that, you know, he's he, he has passed and as tends to be in our culture, there tends to be a sanctification of people. Um, but hold there on, is, but... you know, let me, you know, there right. is this sort of like he did it all himself. And that's not just a modern thing. When we go back to that Carnival Barker, P.T. Barnum era of mm-hmm, him barnstorming yeah, yeah. around everywhere evangelizing for Marvel comics in the sixties, um, doing lectures at colleges in the 1960s and everything else, you know, with the blowing up uh, popular, with just getting hit after hit after hit. 
there are a lot of people who were like, Stan, we don't really hear you talking about, about... these collaborators. Um, and some of them were men who maybe weren't going to stand up for themselves in the first place. But one person who was very hurt by just the way Stan handled himself publicly was Jack Kirby's wife, Roz, mm. <clears throat> who told him, you know, here you are going on these talk shows and, and it, it just sounds like you're, it's all you, Stan. It's a one-hand, one-man band. Mm. Yeah. Now, granted, the the a flip side is, is that, as I said, these other artists, guys like Steve Ditko, <laughs> they were not ever going to be good at selling Marvel Comics. Stan Lee was created by God himself well, well, to why, sell Marvel Comics. Him, that's why I call him Steve Jobs. Yeah, there is a, there is a, you know, it's not yeah, just yeah. a single well, yeah, because thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I understand that, like, Woz, you don't hear about Wozniak as yeah. much, even though we know who Wozniak is. Now, uh, to be fair, and not, again, I'm not diminishing that account, but, you know, Jack Kirby jack the king kirby it's not like you know i mean if you know comic books you know who jack kirby is if you know comic books you know ditko um <laughs> why are you waving a knife at me <laughs> disregard all that <laughs> why are you waving a knife? i'm like trying to figure out like he's waving his uh, his his uh, his uh, his, uh, his leatherman his multi-tool at me because um, we have a Jack Kirby and Stanley relationship here. As we well. do, and it's like you know, we produce the show. I via remember the Marvel Method. I remember a conversation we had a long time ago, and it was like you know, like and guys, you know, like our Thunderstick property is not even barely a property at all, you know. And it's, it's long-standing like, running joke. Running joke be that you know, it's like uh, it's like if we were superheroes. What would but we I be? did, I do recall a conversation we had years ago. It's like I created, I created Thunderstick. See, and you went. And you went we I don't. Him. I don't remember it going quite that way. And yes, you can see between two friends, we're not even like on a professional level here. They're static. One of right? these days, my wife <laughs> come, is going to be. I just don't like you pretending that you created Thunderstick and Bootsy all by yourself. You know what Ed did. You know that he. Hold came on, out. true believers. Now this reminds me of time. <laughs> this reminds me of time when but, I but, okay, when but, I came up with the uh, the Thunder Fighter. <laughs> The Thunderfighter was this kid from Brooklyn, you see. And, <laughs> all right, uh, all right, all right. So, like, but there is that where it's I think it's, it's because... But, but, uh, but my be point is this. My point is this, Ed, is that just like the heroes he created, mm. it is a much more complicated story open to more interpretations and I think more humanity than just saying... Here, here was this saint who created all these wonderful things for the world, and there's no negative stuff to talk about. Now, this will well, allow let, us to this will allow you to go on your Bill Maher. Okay, rant. so first off, wait, now, wait, wait, I, let me, it's wait, not so much about Bill Maher, right? But, but, but like again, to say that we don't want to make this just about that stuff. No, but I don't want to pretend even with it being so close to the passing of his death, that that stuff doesn't factor into the yeah. story of his life. Now, I, I, I for one, again, I, like I said, uh, I didn't really get to know Stan. I didn't get to first hear of Stan, uh, aside from the soapbox and the, the what does aside and all that stuff, um, or hearing his voice until hearing his voice on, let's say, Pride of the X-Men. Little do we know, you know, and... Mutants. 
we we know that Stan, um, if you want to talk about his social contributions, the first black comic book character. Right, yeah. Uh, Robbie Robertson. Black Panther. Right. First um, African Falcon. Superhero. You know, uh, I mean, and that's pretty huge. And you can't take that away from 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 the man of the stand, right? So um Well, the 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 social commentary that was the X Men. Right. You know, um I'm not and I don't think any of that takes away. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that a fuller picture is sure. uh, an, a more honest picture of things, and we can't deny that so like moving now 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 stan and also because um yeah again because of his the pt barnum nature of 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 him and and what he meant to the business and what he was doing with the business um he was he was a he was a man who sold you know who 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 had to sell a product he right? and, and he had to sell it well right yeah, and he, yeah. And he did it well now we saw that uh around the time of um the the 90s when um uh, there was batman a... was kind of huge at mm-hmm. the time image comics uh guys like jim lee and 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 mcfarland had broken off of marvel to form their own and uh form their own label um and i remember recalling watching a video that was released uh uh stanley with comic uh what was it called stanley and comic book greats like, Something along those something lines. Along it was a VHS lines. release. Yeah, and, the, and it was a series of, of videos where he would sit down with comic book uh, creators, personalities. B- the big names characters. of the time. Like sat Jim down Lee with Jim or, Lee or Liefeld. And he's he's ha- he's just basically having Jim Lee do his thing. And, and Jim Lee, who's masterful at putting narrative visually onto paper. And it's like, well, let's see. Uh, let's see you would have a, a hero who had a cape. And there's a damsel in distress, and 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 uh, and it's like, wow! I tell you, well, hold on, Jim, don't stop to scratch your lip. Keep drawing. <laughs> and he was just the a huge personality, huge personality, right? And even he sat down with Bob Kane. Yeah, yeah. And he, what... he used to have a, it was all jousting with Bob Kane. The whole time. <laughs> well, of course, they, he 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 was a big part of the Marvel DC rivalry, <laughs> you know, our distinguished competition. <laughs> but um, getting back to the point I was trying to make, which is that it's not just a simple story of you know, poor kid makes it good. It's complicated. It's and I'm not, and I don't think necessarily. I don't think it's necessary. How is a great is is a, is great also a testament to. To some of his, I don't know, success or failures. I don't even know if if Powell. He will get it. That's much much later. Okay. <laughs> um, my point is this. My point is that it's a complicated story, and I don't even think it's necessarily one that he. If we talk about him, he doesn't have to be the sainted hero. Nor does that necessarily equate to him being the main villain of of the horrible person. Once Marvel makes its mark. Okay, um, and comic books become this thing that sells millions of copies a month. Mm-hmm. Again, we're dealing with the fact that the artists and other people who worked on this product were, it was a work for hire thing. All right? Paid by the page. They signed away the rights for all of these things that they had created. And as we said, the creation of these things is very muddled. Mm-hmm. This is not simply Stan Lee, employee of Marvel Comics, who had also signed away his creative, you know, uh, rights to these to these character comes up with them and that's it. 
which would have been fine if that was the story. Then there's no, there are no, there are no downsides. Yeah, but you know what? I mean, okay, there are no downsides. I'm saying that because it was complicated, because it was a case of, well, who created the Silver Surfer? Stan, that is not the Surfer is not in his script for those issues of the Fantastic Four. The Surfer is a complete and total creation of Jack Kirby, and therefore, you go well. All of these creations. Even back then, even b- b- forgetting Marvel Studios and its ascendancy today, we're just talking about the 60s and 70s when posters and, you know, color forms, we all had, we, we and I played, these things became a money-making bonanza, and the people who sweated, you know, and and didn't have health care, didn't, you know, were getting crap page rates and everything, they did not. Um, partake now, I'm, in the in the in the money. The st- Whereas Stan, because of his stature and because he was the guy who was out there promoting, always had the steady paycheck now, I, compared I, I, to the Ditkos. Compared Miguel, to again, the I you know uh, I, again, I'm not diminishing what you're saying, mm-hmm. but as a kid, I don't care about that. You know, right? Now, and but that's again, what allowed it guys, to happen. But the guys <laughs> who do care, Kevin Smith. Okay. Right? Yeah. Um, I listened to a forget recent, Kevin uh, Smith, dude. The, the the people within within the comic book community, guys like Neil Adams, all right, who knew how guys like Jack Kirby, you know, because they're insiders. Because these are these were the guys who are providing right, right, the, right. the content. And I'm right? saying, so, and I know that that's why necessarily the story has not as big, and especially now that he's that, you know Marvel became. So I'm just saying mm-hmm. it's a complicated story. Yeah, it's a very. And com- I don't even want to say necessarily to see. I'm not saying this negatively about Stan either because. I have always thought this. This is my take on it. I believe that you have, you know, I always think it's ironic because you mentioned, you know, we mentioned, we talked about his Romanian Jewish immigrant parents. Mm-hmm. Most of Marvel Comics staff were the, they were, I, they were the sons of first or second generation immigrants in New York City. They were, um, uh, they were either Irish, they were Italians. They were Jews. They lived in the ghettos. Mm-hmm. Hard life. Kirby's Kirby's life is horrendous. Street gangs, all this stuff. Okay, and yet so many of them, because you get Martin Goodman himself. You know the publishers of these books, and we're not just we're not just talking about timely Marvel Atlas. We're talking about you know DC and all the other fly by night you know operations that were there during the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Relentlessly, however, they did seem to screw each other over. Despite the same background, despite the hard scrabble living through the depression, there was always the you know money's always seemed to be taken away from somebody. I'm, right, I'm, so. But I don't think that that necessarily. I think that that is somewhat of an excuse for Stan, for this reason. As we mentioned, Stan had a familial connection to Martin Goodman. Mm-hmm. He had come to his adulthood through the Depression. And a lot of Stan's sins aren't necessary sins of commission. Because he was, while he may have been the editor-in-chief at Marvel, as we said, the publisher, the owner, was Martin Goodman. So even within that, he did, I think he may have considered himself to be, well, I'm just an employee. I can get terminated at any time. So... Yeah, Martin, you know, he wants these page rates to be like this. I pushed him as far as I could go. 
Um, I'm not going to give the writers the rights of the artists the rights to their own artwork. That was another thing. Remember, they couldn't they could not sell their own artwork for a very long time. I think that Stan did not go to bat for a lot of people or things or 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 push for change because I think there was a part of his psyche that was still in that depression era mode, which is like this could all go away tomorrow. Well, look, I'm not going to do anything. To and jeopardize it it because the job is the job. I got to keep this job. At some point it did because uh, at some point he becomes, uh, was a publisher emeritus by name only after what Marvel gets Well, even before he became the emeritus status, he right. did essentially. For which then he was getting, he was getting a, a, what, a million dollars a year. Right. And that's, that. again, that's what I'm saying. He was more in benefit than a lot of these other people who had been the co-creators of these mm. things, which were, which were money-making machines. And... If his fear was, well, they're going to get rid of me if I rock the boat too much, if I stand up for these people. I I understand his mind. I'm saying is that I'm making excuse for the mindset, but I also think the reality was Stan could have rocked the boat so he could have done anything he wanted because of <laughs> what he had accomplished through that P.T. Barnum-esque flogging mm-hmm. and promotion. If he had stood up and said, "You no, you're going to do this for our artists," then you know what? The idea that oh, they would have fired him. Well, guess what? DC would have scooped him up in two seconds, or he could have formed his own because he was a he was the only known quantity of comic books at the time. Well, he was yeah. It would be like imagine Edward. Imagine Ed that at for whatever reason after Playboy became a gigantic hit, right? At I don't know, Hugh Hefner gets angled out. He. Right? Okay. That's Hugh Hefner. If he got angled out of Playboy, wouldn't have been starving. He two seconds Esquire, some other magazine would have picked him up, or he could have formed another magazine to go up against it, and it it wouldn't have been a problem. So that's my point about uh, it's complicated. Well, I understand where Stan, I think Stan as Stan being, came being from. the 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 man that he was. Um, I I must have watched a a Canadian talk show where he it was basically like a. Dick Cavett type of show, yeah, yeah. and he, he was all down. over those. He was all over those, right? He and and he was the only guy. Jack Kirby. Uh, now he, he when did he pass away? Uh, Jack was eighties or seventies. Was a while back. It was a while back. Hold it was a while on. back. So, yeah, Stan stuck around for a long well, time was, after Jan, that. Jan was uh, um, look, Jack. Jack died in ninety four. Okay, ninety four. We, we I graduated just graduated from high school. Right. So I mean. Uh, and Stan, I believe at that time he was, he was, uh, that's when um, he started appearing in stuff like Morris. Yeah. And, and <laughs> speaking of which, you know, uh, Kevin Smith now let's, let's get into that, you know, because this is where the whole Bill Maher, like, um, uh, Bill Maher, uh, um, uh, Kevin Smith thing comes in. Well, let me, let you me, have... let me just make a, a small thing before that okay. going, going in chronologically. So. We have the hit era of of Marvel, and then when it's just running on all cylinders in the seventies, and he was a very he was hands on he 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 guided a lot of stuff, but eventually, I think by the mid seventies or so, he was much more involved in like the Hollywood end of <clears throat> of, of Marvel. Uh, I again, I will never not recommend the book Marvel Comics: The Untold Story. Uh, by Sean Howe, came out in 2012. It is truly a wonderful, super in-depth, warts and all view on 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 this era. Give you He covers a lot of the stuff, and it, it was kind of like 
Stan had gone from being again like this like like here I am I, the, the 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 head of like you know Marvel I'm the spear you know to being a little more removed much further away from the from the Marvel offices <laughs> in New York and suddenly he again it's like he's much more Hollywood and I think and that this is starts around in, the and that that's where we get you say the, around the 70s the 70s 80s and then finally eventually because like <laughs> that's when he's the guy who gets oh with the know, Incredible Hulk Incredible Hulk we get Captain America Captain you know we get those movies <laughs> those rather lame Red Brown's Captain America you know uh, the failed Roger Corman 90s um, Fantastic, Fantastic Four, Four uh, the failed 90s Captain America movie you know so it's two in a row yeah um, you can't blame that necessarily on Stan, but we're saying that he was part of kicking those things off. Uh, he didn't really have creative input. No. Um, I actually think that if he had, they would be have been ten times better than that, what they were. Um, uh, but by then, he's in his what? His uh, he's in his sixties, and he's now this St- and still not a um a the business player. Or business owner, but but yeah, still a not creative st- person right. pushing the pushing the the, the yeah, label kind of product. kind of getting his similar treatment to a certain degree as the Kirby's and the Dickos, mm-hmm. where it's kind of like, yeah. well, he's not he's getting a salary, and because he's a well known person, they're never going to cut him off. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, um, he, his days of writing by then his writing his writing time had 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 oh he was in a bit of a fallow period he wasn't yeah. doing a lot of uh, other things uh but people like Kevin Smith you know wanted to wanted wanted to use him wanted to knew what a personality was and um that's the period when he starts to kind of re-enter the pop culture consciousness because like I said there was that 70s to a lot of the 80s where the, he's not everywhere the and dawn then, the dawn of the fanboy i i you know, i have to you know even though we crack on kevin smith a lot um smith was very much a part of that culture where yeah. you know he 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 ushers in this age where the uh, adult fan of mm-hmm. ma- this material um uh references it in other things you know you've got you've got kevin smith you've got quentin tarantino mm-hmm. You know, who's dropping in, you know, Jack Kirby and Mobius uh, Silver Surfer references in, in, uh, in Crimson right. uh, Tide. Uh, it becomes a thing. And I think the twinning, the twin things for me are Mallrats, his appearance in Mallrats. <laughs> you get on my, you get on my. Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, a, I'm saying, not a fan of that movie, but. And I, and I say like Kevin Smith, you know, who is a, uh, he's, he's, he's not the greatest director in the world for me. And yet. Mallrats is my favorite. It's one of, of your favorite of, movies of, all, of, 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 of the Kevin Smith movies. But you know, he brings him in there, mm-hmm. um, and then I think a key part is he starts appearing regularly on a uh, Conan. <laughs> Conan O'Brien. We forget people forget this, but That's right. he was continually on Conan during that period, and we were and we were at the right age where, like, like I said, we're Conan comes on in '93. We're in high school. Um, Conan is our David Letterman, and for guys our yeah, age, suddenly yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like oh, here's legitimacy to something. Stanley is appearing in movies from you know a director who have a claim, and he's on Conan's hip and cutting edge show. And him, I think he publicly the the public 
carrying of the title chief editor emeritus Mm -hmm. that becomes like a regular thing now because he's like he's not involved in day-to-day operations with with at marvel the guys guy the guys gallivanting you know tv shows and movie parts and uh he becomes a a public mascot you know and and, um and here 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 i don't know if um if john have you ever seen mall rats Okay, so in Mallrats, he just has a small little walk-on part where you know you have one of the uh, one of the the lead characters. He's got girl problems, and uh, and he's just moping about it in a mall. And here's this guy, Stan Lee, right next to him. He's like, you know, uh, that reminds me of the one that got away. He's like, oh, oh my God, it's Stan Lee. You know, it's like you know, it's like uh, you mean to tell me, which you- by the way is kind of the origin of the cameo, pretty much, literally. Oh my God! It's Stanley. Oh my gosh! You know, like you know, like you're responsible for for Fantastic Four. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, um, so you mean to tell me that you've had girl problems too? Yeah, yeah. You know, I and I have. And he walks away, and then the other friend goes, "Oh, Stan, thanks for mentioning all of that." You know, it's like, yeah, you know, your your friend, he's got some uh, he's got some problems. Um, so yeah, thanks for and all that. The stories that you just told him about the girl that got away. Um, yeah, that, that, that's, that's really believable. Yeah, but I made all that stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> and as you said, that was according to Kevin Smith. Extemporaneous. <laughs> that's his idea to say that was, he rewrote the he script, rewrote the script on Kevin's scripts on Kevin Smith's movie. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And it worked and it worked. It's and a it great works. scene. It's a great scene. <laughs> um, so, you know, he, He's still flogging for Marvel well into the 90s. People remember him, the Fantastic Four show, the Incredible Hulk show that was on during the I'm cartoons. sorry. I, um, I just need to ask, him being the emeritus uh, editor-in-chief, is that the equivalent of him being ousted, respectfully ousted, you know, from... No, I from, think from that, I think it was a case of him settling down in... Settling down. Settling down on the West Coast, mm-hmm. being away... You gotta remember, this was... <laughs> In like night, let's say this is say this happens around like seventy between seventy seven and like uh, eighty one or whatever. Um, this because is I got pre- the feeling this that... is a pre internet age of yeah. uh, epic proportions. Because I got there the is feel- no I can run my business live in <laughs> live in Colorado, but my business can be in Miami, Florida right. because I can just hop on and because I got that feeling around the eighties and ni- around the nineties that he was um, he'd been ousted or he. Really, I think have... it was moving. It was more towards what he was trying to do things like expand the Marvel brand mm. and oversee the things, or at least get Hollywood involved. Yeah. So, I mean, that's why you know, you, yeah, because that was all very fuzzy on oh, Avi Arad, you know, how does he fit into this? He right, he yeah. heads the entertainment like uh division. There's an entertainment division. Wait a minute, they sold what parts of, of Marvel to to uh to Sony like you know and that was all just one big muddled confusion of what Marvel was before before the Feige era right before right. the before, Feige before era. Iron Man 1 and i think that's what it was he was how can i get because i think he was a guy who realized he had seen um <clears throat> the success of other things and it seemed the success of Marvel products uh, to varying degrees. So I think, of course, everyone goes to the, 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 the biggest one. You've got, um, you know, in 78, you know, late 78, early 79 is Superman the movie. Comes out that mm-hmm. Christmas. 
It's a gigantic cultural blockbuster. Superman is already cemented into the American mindset. And now here's this thing where he comes back. New Supermania happens again. And I, I, I can't help but think that he looked at that and said, well, why, we, we can do that with Marvel. You know, um, they had limited success with uh, things like... Um, that Spider-Man movie. Well, I think, well, you know, uh, I think probably the biggest is like the Incredible Hulk, right? Yeah. Again, showing like, look, we can do these characters in live action and they can... Um, David Banner. Right. Scientist. Look, I, I, because here's the thing. <laughs> what is missing from... That the red the red brown Captain America, and the again the live action seventy Spider Man show mm-hmm. okay is it's not just the level of quality it's they don't have depth they're very surfacey but you cannot say that about Kenneth Johnson who was the producer behind um, the Bill Bixby Incredible Hulk mm-hmm. show. You can't say that about the Incredible Hulk show. It's as... until you get to the TV movies. Well, okay, fine, fine. But, trial, uh, tri- return. Yes, yes, yes. But uh, my point is Ed, that you have this sort of—they um, nailed it. They nailed it. That part, the aspect of the angst of the character, the lonely man, and the uh, right. What is it that you're playing on the piano? Yes, <laughs> but a perfect example. Oh. You hear that music, yeah. and you become sad. <laughs> It evokes an actual emotional response. And you think how crappy David Banner's life is and all the rest. Um, and so I think he looked at that and said, you know, we can there are we can do these things well. Uh, now, you know, Marvel has its ups and downs from the 80s. And finally, you know, Jim Shooter takes over as editor in chief. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the super expansion that happens to comic books in the late 80s, especially I'd say between 88 and about the time when I got out of high school, maybe 95 or so. Yeah, because it becomes a uh, uh, a marketing device for, for the toy industry, you know, and uh, and that's the huge, huge expansion right there. I mean, you know, it's... Well, uh, well not just toys, just anything. Is it this, it's the, we have the beginning of... Uh, a special effects revolution, which mm-hmm. makes it possible to do these superpowers and things. We've got um, video games coming out. There's an again. There's suddenly you're like, oh wait, well, what I'm getting we, is there are more places you know? for this to move in. Yeah. Unfortunately, at that period, Stan also, like I said, is he kind of I think wiggles out of sort of an exclusive contract with Marvel. And he does. He forms POW and his Stanley mm, Entertainment and mm. things like that. And most of those things are not great. He's Let me tell it. you about Stripperella. Right. Stripperella. <laughs> um, he does. He he goes and he works for DC Comics. Yeah. And does, yeah, yeah. And does a uh, a series called Just Imagine. Just Imagine. If Stanley had created XYZ uh, characters. Superman. Wonder Woman. Right. Green Lantern. And even works with. And even works with. Some Marvel greats on Jim doing Lee. those. I re- I'll never, I'll never forget um, him working with the Salbusima. I think uh, for doing his Stanley's version of Superman. You know what I mean? Um, so he he was still this known quantity, not working out quite well with you know trying to get this Stanley Entertainment stuff uh, to be as quite as you know well known. But again, he's still showing up on Conan, still doing this, and then, boom, we get the t- Favreau, t- 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 Feige, 
and he's appearing RDJ. on every he has his walking cameos in every single movie right he's uh I, I, I don't know. He's not even a semi-regular, but he would appear often on the Big Bang Theory. You know. Well, I, I he mean, becomes once more in the last 10 years this gigantic presence in pop culture and is introduced to a brand new generation who had no idea about um, who he was and what he had done or how, and I think honestly, or how revolutionary it was. Because as much as I'm talking about, you know, well, there's collaborations and, you know, let me now take a, a, a side where I just, you know, it sounds like, oh, it sounds like you're taking Jack Kirby's side over stands. Let me, let me reverse this. <laughs> People may hate anything I just, I said previously about Stan and they can interpret it however they want. I don't care. Uh, I think I'm being measured. Let me try and be measured, but probably come off like an asshole again <laughs> talking about Jack Kirby. I think it is very, it's a key thing to notice that when the Kirby Lee alliance is broken, okay, and Kirby is on his own and doesn't is not working with Stan as a, as a plotter or a co-writer or co-creator, that I'll be this I'll be the first guy to say it. I don't think Kirby, without another influence, produces anything quite at that level. Even things that I very much like. Um. I mean, his DC work is when you guys... very hit or miss. And there's some stuff I adore about his DC stuff, and there's some stuff where I go, I don't know what what's what's going on here. I well, mean, yeah, but okay, perfect example Ed, is is New Gods, um, which seems which has to... a huge presence of in within the DC universe. You know why though? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be the first one to tell you the apocryphal story of Jim Starlin talking to his editor. Mm. about creating Thanos and that his original template for Thanos was going to, he was, he was, he admits he was ripping off Kirby totally and completely and mm-hmm. you know, his DC work. And so here are, here are my Titan Eternals and they're all analogs in some way to <coughs> the, the new gods. And then it finally it was like, Oh, who's the main villain of this piece? Oh, I, I'm going to call him Thanos. And the original concept was, he was basically a ripoff of Metron. Sure. And then his editor tells him, well, if you're going to steal from the new gods, you might as well steal the only good one <laughs> and create Thanos in the image of Darkseid, period. Um, and that is a bit how I feel. I like a lot of the new gods, but if I had, you know, when I think of them, I honestly think of Darkseid. I think of Desaad. Not Mr. Miracle, Big Barda. Again, a perfect example. I actually really like Which Big, by the way, Ava I Duvernay, like Big Bart and Mr. Miracle. Ava Duvernay, by the way is going to do a movie. All right. But All right. That's I I was I was always um interested in Big Bart and Mr. Miracle. I I like the concept. Mm-hmm. I think the concept is very sound, right? Because it's a cool, you know, it's based on the real life Jim Steranko to a per, to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. And it's something that's not done. It's like he's the escape artist. He's oh, that's different. He's the world's greatest escape artist and um, in terms of the dynamic, his wife is the muscle. It doesn't you know, get Barta. interesting until they kind of join the league, in my opinion. But I that, don't. Need, but, but again, my point is this: is that I, is that while that the conceptually I like it and it's sound. I mean, Mister Miracle has you know Kirby, an artist. Mister Miracle has one of the worst costumes. Well, in look, dude, all of I comic mean, book history. It's terrible. As a looking. kid. 
And you're going to tell me that this weirdo character Galactus is coming to eat your planet, you know? And the one thing that's going to like the, the, ultimate the, whole, the ultimate ultimate nullifier that that Reed Richards holds to him. And I'm like, even as a kid, I go, yeah, I'm going to turn to like Superman. All right, Batman, that's you know? just you. But being again, pretentious. Um, <laughs> but again, my again, my point is that and getting back to my point is that Kirby without Lee is not as fertile a place and the work is not as good. Uh, you know, there are some high points, yeah, stuff well, like the demon, but then you've got stuff like the forever people. <laughs> you know what listen, I mean? Um, the, and Thunder then you stick, have that, stick, wait, wearing on, the wait. vest just won't, just won't work. And then you, you also know? have to go back to the fact that, you know, Kirby does go back to Marvel comics after his stint mm-hmm. at DC and he works on his own. That was kind of like his deal. And his Captain America that he does by himself is not considered a truly mm. great run. Um, he brings in he brings in the you know he creates the Eternals, which is just another you know reiteration of he goes Thor, and then there's new gods, and then there's the Eternals, and then you know they're all kind of a gloss on a similar theme, it, you know. Yeah. It's a it it's, a, it's a visual medium. It's a visual medium that requires <laughs> good story, some good plotting, some good plotting, plotting and and compelling words. story writing yeah. on top of it. So you know, while Jack separated wasn't so good, Stan's solo stuff, like you said, Pal Stripperella, that kind All of right. stuff, it doesn't set the world on fire uh, either. Uh, but none of that is really remembered at this point because it's. It's just the it's just you know the march of Marvel as this now but, preeminent entertainment company mm-hmm. that is ruling uh, the American and worldwide box office and people know Stan as this this living avatar. And, and I'll tell of you, that. I'll tell you, Miguel. Like you know, um, I um, on my trip, I stopped by Disney, and I came back Disney, which by the way owns Marvel, right. Marvel Studios. And I came back and I took my kid to watch uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet, which is the sequel to, um, uh, right, to yeah. Ralph. And, you know, it's a, by the way, which, by the way, is a wonderful meta commentary on Internet stuff. And uh, so Ralph and, and, and his sidekick, Vanellope, they, they end up, they tron their way into the internet, right? They're they're video Don't game you mean characters. Flynn their way they in? flynn their way into the internet. I think they flynn their way. And in. there's a moment where Vanellope, the um, uh, voiced by Sarah Silverman, she ha- she ends up in this one area of Disney that's like Disney, and she me- meets all the Disney princesses, you know. Um, but before that, right before that, there's you see the Marvel section, and who do you see at the Marvel section but an avatar of Stan Lee? And I go, oh my God, when was this done? Was this done before or after Stan's death? And you're like, nah, listen, technology is great, but technology isn't that, isn't that good. These things know? are planned out. These things very, are planned out. And very, I'm like, very well ahead. But, but, Which, uh, we're going to go, no, finish, finish, finish. Oh, and I go, and I go, but if they were to con- continue on Stan appearing at the movies, they have a way. You know, they have a way. They, 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 they are doing something with Carrie Fisher. Right. They, you know, uh, they they brought us back Grand Moff Tarkin. This is something that I don't think that I would be against them doing something Tarkin-esque with him. Um, I think that his image, though, in some way 
something. I don't care if it's as simple as there's a newspaper. Some guy's reading a newspaper in the background and it has the words Excelsior on it. <laughs> I think that. I, I think propose that Cassian Andor has the word Excelsior on, tattooed on his, tattooed on his face. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I do think that there's. Um, uh, there should be something a measure given to him because these things these things are now this is the ascendancy of the fanboy mm-hmm. and these he's, are he's legend. billion dollar you know brands now let's let, can we get into the bill maher stuff and i want to be really brief about this okay, okay. as anyone knows uh who paid attention well, there was a bit of a kerfuffle because about 2 days after stan passed uh, it was two or three days, I think. Bill Maher puts out this statement apropos of nothing. It wasn't something it was. It just happened to be that, OK, Stan had passed and it's in the news and tributes are coming in from people all over the world. You know, the famous people, you know, uh, it got to the point that Army Hammer kind of got like a <laughs> backlash thing because he's like. Everyone's pretending that they were Stan's best friend and everything else. And okay, so you know, it's like so I, I understand that Bill wants to talk about the current events, but he comes out with this thesis. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> because Bill is uh he's a world class a hole, just period. And so he basically puts out this thesis that says Stan Lee was part and parcel of contributing to the downfall of culture. And that, you know, we live in a world where people, uh, you know, are obsessed with, you know, juvenile things. Superheroes are one of them. Uh, They don't have the depth. They're not real literature. And Stan's contributing this such such a large and pervasive thing in American and world society right now means that he is part of the dumbing down of culture and therefore led to the political outcomes of what's what we're seeing now in the country and the election. And you know, he's not Trump. incorrect, right? Because like, um, uh, one of my best friends, um, he's, he's, uh, he's an editor in, in, in the literary, in the publishing business. And he was like saying, it's like, you know, the problem with these movies, the, 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 the fanboy movies is they, they infantile, they're infant, they, they, infant, they infantilize us. Right. And he's not incorrect, but again, um, to some, they are myth. As you've said many times, Superman has become myth. Um, and to many, Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, Avengers, Spider-Man, all these, of them. All yeah, these they, yes. they are slowly becoming. Uh, not even slowly. They already, they, they were, already are. They already, they, they were, bit, right? It's, they're just now expanding. They are getting more converts. Yeah. Now, um, Bill Maher's message, and again, I don't really care to to give Bill Maher any more um, uh, uh, air, like any more time of day than I than than I already am. But basically, it's like you know, listen, if you want to be an a hole about it, that's fine, but don't pretend that you're a smart, that you're an intelligent guy. You're just a guy, Bill Maher. You're just a guy with a really with, with a great show. You a show, and you're liberal, and I appreciate you for that. Um, and you invite people to be open-minded, to have a discussion, but, you, but I'm sorry, Bill, you're treating the material as if you were with the, with, uh, as if you were like re- things like religion and you directed a movie. Highly dismissive. Dismissive. Not, not, not disrespectful uh, not, not is the disrespectful, word that I'm, yeah, it, disrespectful it, is the word. And it, listen, if you have, it's not my, it's not my problem 
that you that uh, that you have issues with the Catholic Church, or with with, uh, or with Judaism, Islam, or Judaism, or, or whatever, Islam, right? <laughs> um, but don't pretend that you have something intelligent to say about it, because you don't, sir. And um, and because you know you can say something, you can be intelligible about it, but. Being disrespectful, being disrespectful is another thing, and I know Miguel. He's he. I see your face, and you're no, like, no, no. Hey, "What's going on?" No, 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 no. No? I'm, no, I'm. I'm just. I would just like. And to- I'm a little bit upset with it because disrespectfulness really gets my gourd. Well, it that really is the does. key for me. There are aspects of his critique, and I'm not on board. It's not a hundred percent thing here. It it might be a it might be a below fifty one percent. Kind of like what his critique is. It's just like, dude, Bill, the man just passed. If you wanted to make this point a year from now, fine. But why are we speaking so dismissively of of the dead days after the man passed? And there's this... This thing. It doesn't, you know, yeah, it doesn't win you any points. It's it's That's it's what. just it's just the sort of like it's part of it is like that a hole aspect, but part of it is also the a hole aspect because it's like oh you're just piggybacking, aren't you? You're only doing this to to capitalize so he's on this moment in time. Yes. Yeah. And that is that is that's what I I, I totally agree with you. It's the sort of like that that's there's no class there. Furthermore, no, absolutely... mixing... See, and by the way, I think there are probably people at home who would be listening to me right now and said, didn't you just do that? Now, notice I was very measured. <laughs> I did not say I said I tried to, you know, warts and all means it's like, and oh, you're just, just talking about the warts. No, and we're just a two bit podcaster. We're only listen to less than a handful <laughs> of people. Right. People, right. Um, so but but that's that is my and I, I I'll just what I'll say about the critique is that. It's perfectly fine. To think to have that, your opinions. Well, not just it's perfectly fine to think that there's the legitimacy to the comic book superhero genre or whatever you want to call it. I know there are people like, oh, it's not a genre, whatever. It's a splitting hairs. That will say, well, because it is a mythology, and it is, that and it means so much, there's the emotional and intellectual part of it and the symbolism of it. And, you know, that it, <clears throat> it it gets to it. It's not just a surfacey thing. It's a very it, it affects us on 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 a mythic level, not too dissimilar from religion that because it does that we it's beyond criticism or it's bad form to start. And my thing is that it that it's a myth does not mean that you cannot analyze and criticize or what that the myth sig- is, or is it has significance in your in, what in it, one's wh- life? But but yes, but even if it does have significance in one's right. life, it's not beyond saying, well, what is it saying? What is the myth telling? What is the myth's effect on the human psyche, and therefore then the greater um, the the out the the, the um, uh, society as a whole. So I I will you know you know me Ed. I've said time and time again that I love this material. But I do think that there are negatives to the to the culture, just like Bill said, of this sort of like being ensconced in a very 
juvenile worldview being being ensconced in the sort of like forever 14 year old point of view about things and i don't i understand the counter argument of shouldn't there always be a part of you that is not just a cynical old the, man and is cynic- as ideals i get all the that cynicism too. and the fear that it's going to take you away from reality so that's his that's his argument right because it's like people are voting for trump because you know uh because the dumb they, down they, yeah this, the culture in general yeah there's this ir- there's and this even not- if i I'd argue that he's dumbing down the culture <laughs> by making by making that argument <laughs> no but again but again like bill maher I, I i don't watch his show but yet i re- i recognize that his show is a is a, a great pa- platform for having public figures um, imp- important people intelligent people on and just to have a conversation <laughs> right i recognize that but again, like, the, like you said, the man just died. Right. Yeah. It's so yeah. assholery. When did assholery become normalcy? Well, the, well not you only know? that. Of there's course, the, again, we live in the day. Why are we? Yeah. Yeah. Right so, well, there goes. By the way, Ed, there goes Bill's. Yeah, I know. That's his <laughs> he's a perfect right example right. of what he's trying. He's he doesn't understand. <laughs> it's like Bill, don't you get that the coarsening of the culture is what you just did would be an exhibit a it would be like like oh trump's effect on the culture is so bad and because it's like yeah but don't you see that you had a choice you could have chosen not to attack this guy and rile things up in a cynical way frankly i think i'm not even sure he really cares all that much i think it's even worse than him like having a legitimate issue it feels a lot like i'm promoting myself via the death of this beloved character now, this now beloved here's the, man. Uh, I, I i keep on uh, at least i'm trying to uh, to to really communicate that around the 80s and 90s i could really care less about stan lee and like uh even to some degree i'm like stan's a great guy he he made some really he, he wrote some really great stuff but you know i mean did he have a a a, a real direct um uh, was he really impactful on you impactful on a personal on, level? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, he, he's just a guy, you know. He's and and uh, again, he's legend, but uh, I, you know, he's Stan Lee, <laughs> okay. you know. Um, but still, Bill, why the disrespect? Yeah, seriously, why, why, why continue being the jerk that, or I, whether again, you say he probably doesn't even care, you know. There's, there's a part of me that thinks just, that you know, that while I, while there isn't an agreement, like I said, there is a certain level where I go, I I can see somewhat of what you're saying because it's something I feel too, mm. even as a fan of this mm. stuff. I go, well, you know what? In terms of if we're going to start analyzing what the mythology of superheroes is saying to us, yeah. One of the things I've learned from Superman, Spider-Man, can, and Captain I, America is don't be a jackhole. Now, uh, <laughs> and therefore, I feel I'm getting a lot more. I, I've I've benefited uh, my ethics and morality from right. that lesson uh, that apparently passed you by, Bill. He, he was, you know, we um, there's a mirror image. Like I said, Kevin Smith, he's a mirror image of that because he. He's the uh, he, he well, he's the mirror opposite, right? The mirror opposite. And he's uh, he tells about it, and and Fat Man that uh, he he cried about it. He cried yeah. because he was sort. Of, he felt like he, he was the, was he son. was what you were saying. He was someone who was deeply affected by this man, right. and and his influence on him. Now the, I would say a very 
together a, a, a well-put opposite of what Bill Maher is, is Colbert. Colbert. No one knows more about Tolkien than Colbert does. And the director, Peter Jackson of oh, Lord yeah, of the Rings, yes, even says that. You know, no one knows more about uh, 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 Lord of the Rings than Colbert does. Colbert, in in, in that essence, also liberal, doing, also uh, doing intellectual stuff about conversation about, about these politics. topics, and and he doesn't go after uh, the targets that don't deserve it. You know what I mean? And he doesn't go about in a vicious just, way. He but, doesn't. He doesn't get vicious unless they themselves have been vicious. But even then, it's so like, I mean, so it's even, like it's not like. He even that his satire is, you know, very, very biting yeah. and very can get personal. Let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. Um, at the same time, 95% of the time when he goes that way, I'm behind him because I'm going like, yeah, they were asking for that. Right. You know, these people, if you if you wish to sh- have mercy, if you wish to have consideration, but shown he's to willing, way, a guy you have who's, to show consideration. A guy who's also a man of faith and, um, you know, he's willing to sit down and say, hey, listen, you know, like uh, uh, I know that I. I understand that you're an atheist. I'm a Catholic, and he says so. And well, let's have this uh, very he's, respectful. Let's conversation. be honest, though. Ed, I'm, I'm as a former Catholic. He's 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 what we what we like to call a, uh, a cafeteria Catholic. He yes, it's well. I love I All love right. Steve. I love Steve. But he's he's picking and choosing a lot of stuff as a lot of well, as you know, most that's Catholic, the human by condition. the way, as most Catholics do anyway. Uh, yes. But now, again, we're getting right. off. We're by getting the way, way I off. wonder what Jesus says when you say that you're a, a former Catholic. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, he's, he's going to have to. Uh, that'll be between me and him if we ever meet. <laughs> but um, we're getting off topic here. Getting we're you got, got us into the weeds of of this. That's why the Bill Maher thing. Uh, um. Wrapping it up, um, I think that Stans had a great genius. Um, he was just a great personality, and he did as we now so shifted the lives. See, this is the part where I'll go say where how how wrong Bill Maher is because as an economic entity, what has happened to Marvel. And what's happened to superheroes in general? Since, like I said, since Superman the movie, going through the Batman with Keaton, going through all the rest that's happened, you can't tell me that these flights of fancy have not had direct nuts and bolts impact on people beyond just simply inspiring a guy like me to, you know, loving these characters. Um, these things have created jobs. People have food on their table because Marvel Comics and DC Comics and these things exist and uh, are part of the history of the United States of America that shows um, how people and their freedom and the free market system can seriously can like affect things in big ways just because they're 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 their potentials. Are well, that's unleashed. just great that the economy, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I invented the economy is what you're saying. No, no, no. But again, Ed, think about this. We've got, again, this is, you know, every time one of these things are sold, you know, the games, um, the fact that on a level of culture that Stanley is part and parcel of that line of creators that makes comic books something that America gave the world culturally when when people talk about, we did not invent a lot of things, but 
in our post-war period, you know, in in their pre and post-war period, America gave the world jazz. America gave the world the blues. Americans gave the world rock and roll. Okay. Movies and comic books. Something that, you know, whether Don't forget about the microwave. Don't forget the microwave. Something okay, yes, true. Something that, you know, one of your favorite that you always bring up for whatever reason. What? Um Asterix de Gaulle. Okay? <laughs> the French version of it. Prince uh, Valiant. Okay? Asterix de Gaulle. Asterix de Gaulle. Prince Valiant's an American thing, but you know, we've got Asterix. Uh, no, you're, you're, no, that's De Gaulle. Yeah. De Gaulle, no, de Gaulle fought against Charles the fascists. Charles De Gaulle. <laughs> <laughs> must be well, he de gave up to the fascists. <laughs> uh, so you've got uh, Asterix De Gaulle, Tintin. Mm -hmm. In Japan, you have uh, 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 Astro Boy. Astro Boy. Mm -hmm. You know, we would not have Dragon Ball Z. Probably without the influence of American comic books, DC and Marvel alike. So these Hi, I'm, are th I'm Lee Shriver. <laughs> Welcome to PBS's, Welcome to PBS's <laughs> history of superheroes. <laughs> superheroes, superheroes. <laughs> um, these are important. You know, he's part and parcel, and maybe the biggest name uh, of comic books of the last 40, 50 years. Miguel, I don't know if you under if you realize, but uh, <laughs> I was mean? in the I was in the Chinese version of Iron Man. Oh, really, Jackie? That's okay. right, and. Uh, you know, I, I thank Stan Lee for creating this character. You know, he he bring Iron Man to to China, and uh, and then he and then. So what? Can I ask you, Jackie? Production. Jackie, when you fight the Iron Monger, uh, what what would that scene go like? So there was a scene where I I I uh, I fight against Iron Monger, you know, along with Iron Man, and uh, he goes, Wah! and I go. Okay, get that out of your system. All right. Um. Yeah, this is a it's it's a sad passing, but you know, at ninety five, it was a full life. His wife had recently passed, which we did a show on. We, and we, we talked said about, we, like, we talked about yeah. Like, we at the time yeah. we knew because this we're talking about a man who had issues. We didn't really get into the whole thing with the fact that he, there were inherent issues. Uh, you know, in recent years, his failing health. Um, there were people who had attached themselves to him that seemed to be positioning to take his money, uh, causing wedges between him and longtime friends and family members that seemed to very recently be cleared up. And I th that was kind of those two things, that that his wife Joan had died, and then the fact that suddenly we get this news out of nowhere, okay, Stan's got his house in order in terms of the inheritance of his money and everything. And that kind of told me that it was probably it was getting late you know um and as i said i think that i don't think it's taking away anything from from him or his legacy to simply say that he was a man who had brought us complicated interesting and compelling flawed heroes but was also himself Complicated, a complicated, flawed, flawed, and interesting hero, and I don't think that there's anything better to say about him. So, as is our as is our way here on the show, a moment of silence for the undeniably great Stanley.
Excelsior。各位观众，大家我哋就诶呢、呃、位 Stanley 先生，佢就佢讲一句一句说话咧，就系、是、叫 Excelsior。<笑>
bring it down. To, oh, you th- I was getting a little brando there for you. Is that what you were saying? Yeah, it was. It's a, it's, a, it's just a little big. So just you know, bring it down a little. Bring bring it down. Okay, oh, yeah, no problem. No problem. All right, quiet on the set. Take two. Hello, Doctor Reed Richards, A.K.A. Mister Fantastic. All right, cut. Um, uh, how how was that, Tim? Was that good? Is a little more what you what you're looking for? I I just, maybe uh, just a little, little down, like just a notch. Just not. Uh, I know you don't want me to over over you know shadow these people. I understand. It's not my movie. It's not my movie. It's your movie. Yeah. I okay. All right, Stan. That's 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 good. Right, okay. One more take. Quiet on the set. Action. Hello. Dr. Reed Richards, Mr. Fantastic of the Fantastic Four. That was that? That was good? Yeah, that was, that, that was, that was great. Hey guys, thanks for listening to To Be Continued, a fanboy podcast. Our website is www.tobecontinuedafanboypodcast. Check us out on iTunes, Google Play, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.